All right. Ready? Ready. One, two, two three. three. Closer. It's getting there. Yeah. What's up, CJ? Andrew David Sotomayor. How is it? It's good. It's good. It's hot outside. It it's is very a bit windy. Very hot outside. And it's been hot. We're in week what? We don't even know anymore. Uh, we don't even know. But you're here. I'm here. And we're here for another riveting episode of Icon or Wycon. And we have a very, very important film to discuss today. Is it important? I think it is. Okay. I, th- I have a lot to say. I'm eager to hear why you think it's important. Let's do it. Let's do it. What is the movie? Jay and Silent Bob, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. A movie within a movie within a reference within a movie. Oh my gosh. To an exhausting degree. Where to begin? Uh, I'll start. Should you? I should. Yes, please. I love that they finally give a reason for how these two characters met. Right in the beginning. Right, right in the, the beginning. Yeah. And it kind of sets you up for an in-universe film that's going to give us some answers and really clarify things. And maybe we're going to do a deep dive into these characters. Maybe we're going to learn that these characters are far more profound than we've discovered. I mean, we saw them save the world in the last movie. What don't we know? Literally just saved the world. And as Kevin Smith puts it, they went through hell during Dogma. You know, they, they, they dealt with a lot of religious folks who were upset. They got death threats. And so now... Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. And so now Kevin Smith just wanted to make a fun movie about Jay and Silent Bob. And fun fact, do you know, the idea for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back came to Kevin Smith whilst shooting Scream 3. Really? Yep. They were there on the same set that they would eventually shoot. You know, it was the same studio that they would eventually shoot Jay and Silent Bob. They had that... I guess famous. It's famous. They that, yeah, cameo that cameo in Scream Three, the Connie Chung moment, and Kevin Smith said, "Wow, wouldn't it be fun to shoot a movie on a real lot?" Because they hadn't done that yet. You know, everything was sort yeah. of on location in Jersey or Minnesota, whatever. Uh, so he's like, "Yeah, so this we're just going to shoot a movie. You, you and me, Jay, we're going to be the, the lead characters, and it's just going to be fun. And we're going to shoot a movie that quote doesn't offend anyone. Not sure if he was successful." Listen, he was not successful in that endeavor. I live for the intention behind it, but he was not successful. This is actually five steps back for any sort of writer or director growth that any of the other movies would allude to. It also doesn't make any sense. Dramaturgically. Yeah, none of the beats add up. It's just kind of silly vignette into silly vignette into silly vignette. Yep, cameo Whereas, after cameo after cameo. Oh, an exhausting amount of cameos. Yeah, whereas we're coming I mean, off Dogma where we've got a lot of famous people in the movie. They're doing the movie. They're doing the movie. They are, they are they're, yeah, yeah. you know, they're characters in the film. And this thing is just, oh, look, George Carlin. Oh, look, it's Carrie distracting. Fisher. Oh, look, Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Doo's not a real person. He's a, do- he's a dog. But No, but I think we can count it as a cameo. Sure. Sure. 
after watching this movie again, I don't know if that Scooby-Doo sequence actually happens. Because it's like a dream within a dream. Right. Right. Is it the dress rehearsal or the tech rehearsal? We don't know. We don't know. It's very, very confusing. You know, another thing that's confusing to me. Randall all of a sudden hates Jay and Silent Bob. Hates them. Like, just despises them and is mean to them. And, and just, yeah, no, that doesn't track, does and it? We're supposed to believe that that was a thing? Yeah. I don't know. It was, it was, a lot of, it was convenient in front of the convenience it's, store. How long did you have that one? Little no, bit? it just came to me. These things that just, just came to you, really? These things just came to me. No one CJ, ever believes me. CJ, I don't buy me. it. No one ever believes CJ, me. CJ, no fucking way. It just literally just came to me. All right. You know, let's poll. The, we let's, talk? Let's poll our viewers. Log on to teambeachbody.com. No, wait, that's something totally. That's different. not it. That's not it. Yeah, that's not it. But maybe we'll do a live stream for one of these events. Yeah. And then we can get some live responses yeah. and have people. You know, accuse us of loading up Uber. I'm ready for that. I'm ready to stand trial. Listen, you will... What is it? Die on the hill, as they say? Oh, my God. You know, of all the the sayings that have come out of the time that we live in, that one, I'm just like, come on, really? What is that in reference to? Are you alluding to Bunker Hill? Are you going to die on it? What does that even mean, Andrew? It confuses me. It confuses my old ass brain. I think it is alluding to Bunker Hill. Uh, what's funny is nobody remembers what Bunker Hill actually is. No, I think, and I think we lost at Bunker Hill. So if you're going to die on that hill, that you've actually just lost the argument. Yeah, it's silly. I like carry that cross. I will carry that cross. Carry that cross? Sure. I was raised super religious, but that one tracks with me. It absolutely tracks. You've got a man carrying a cross up a hill, getting whipped, getting mud pies thrown at him. I don't think they were throwing mud pies at Jesus, CJ. Somebody was throwing something at him, Andrew. Did they throw mud pies in the Bible? Is there mud in the Bible? Well, there's, I mean, we're in the Middle East, right? Maybe it was, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, yeah, no, you're right. Maybe there's no mud pie. They were throwing something at him. Feces? The man had a tough climb up that hill. Well, Dogma would say that there was plenty of feces to throw. (laughs) We did just learn that there was plenty of feces on that hill from the last movie we watched. See? I was right. Okay. I'll allow it. Thank you so much. You're so good to me. You were saying... Randall all of a sudden hates Jay and Silent Bob enough to call the police on them and get a restraining order, which does not track with who we know Randall to be. Truly. And maybe I'm putting too much effort into the continuity, but I feel like when you do an in-universe romp, the continuity is a character. The continuity has to be a character. Randall's wearing the CCCP hockey jersey that I believe he wears in Clerks. Am I right about that? They're all wearing the outfit they wore from the movie they were in to an annoying degree. Why is Brody still wearing the outfit that he wears at the mall? Right. That's the only outfit he has, maybe. He was the host of The Tonight Show when last we saw him. Sure. Right. That was a different outfit. I- Fun fact about Brody, so I, you know, I, I try to prepare for these things. As much as the humor comes off the top of yeah. my head, the facts and the, in, the information that I like to share, I study up on, right? So I read the IMDb page for Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and I read the uh, review of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back from the great Roger Ebert, may he rest in peace. And both of those synopses say that Jay and Silent Bob go and visit Banky, in the comic book store. 
They confuse their Jason Lees. They confuse their Jason Lees. It's confusing. But it's not because he's wearing the brown dirty jacket. That's clearly it's so Brody. Silly. It's clearly Brody for a fan, but for somebody that doesn't understand what's happening, it's so weird. Also, because the line between Brody and Banky is very, very small. Sure. The line between Holden and Goodwill Hunting Ben Affleck is far larger and more obvious. Absolutely. But, but I think that, you know, they have, in that case, Holden has the advantage of saying Ben Affleck's name. Right? Brody, That's true. Brody does, Brody, but Brody, Brody says Banky's name as well. He, yeah. he ref- refers to him and says, oh, you, you should have gotten that money from Banky. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to excuse IMDb and Roger Ebert in this case, but I just think that's hilarious that they both got it wrong. Yeah. Again, the plot doesn't add up. And it's unfortunate because with the two babies in front of the quick stop, like you think you're going to see something interesting and then it's still kind of fun because they go see... Brody at the comic book shop and you see that Brody quit the Tonight Show to open up Brody's secret stash. Kevin Smith fans know that that's really uh, Jay and Silent Bob's secret stash, that that's an already active fan fave comic book store run by Kevin Smith. So there's a good helping of fan service and continuity in universe. And then after that, it just kind of slowly starts unraveling. We get real into gay shaming. First of all, he calls the police on him because he tells the kids to talk about their gay wedding. Yeah, to insult them by saying that they got married, which we know is yeah. not an insult. That's glorious. Good for them. But we are in, what is it, 2001? 2001 is the year the film came out. Uh, the year of the movie, in, in, in the movie, is, must be 2001. Right? It's got to be 2001. This is the most 2001 movie I've ever seen. Sure. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of weird stuff happened in there at the turn of the century. Yep. What's really cool is when they go to meet Holden and Holden introduces them to the internet because the internet is still relatively new at this point. But what he says about the internet is something that's still real today. About I, I'm getting the quote wrong, but it's, it's, it's about how it's for people to anonymously bitch about things. And share porn. And share porn, yeah. He calls it out. And that was before both of those things were as widespread as they are now. Right. Like, when did you watch your first porn on the internet? It wasn't 2001 for me. It was well after. It was in the late 90s. Okay, but I was in, Okay, I was Andrew. an advanced Andrew, high okay. schooler. Listen, my mother might be listening. Who am I kidding? My mother's not listening. She won't, she won't tune in until episode nine. Yeah, she'll be like, you're still doing that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I better show up for your recital. And that's how she was with my music career. <laughs> I had to be on a national tour for her to think it was a real job. I mean, anyway. I mean, you know, it's an old, that's an old tale. It's a tale as old as time, as they say. Thank well, you, Mrs. Potts. Alan said that, right? Yeah. <laughs> so do we think Holden is a stand-in for Kevin Smith in this moment? Let's see. Sure. Because the way he's talking about how they just, as, as soon as the X-Men was popular, they started buying up all the comic book rights, and then they just start making these, like, terrible things, milking the artistic teat of all these other former properties. Right, right. I do, I I do love like that when they're talking about Miramax and how they make classy movies like The Piano and The Crying the Game. The Piano. 
but when they went to what was it? She's all that. She's all that. <laughs> and all went down. <laughs> I like she's all that, dude. She's all that. Well, I have that zero was, problems that was Freddie with that Prince, movie. right? And she's all that. Yeah, yeah, Freddie Prince. He was so beautiful in that movie. Yeah, he's he's great. You know, he later voiced uh, Kane and Jarrus. I did know this. Have you watched the animated series yet? No, not yet. What are you waiting for? I know, right? I've, but I he, have you started watching Letterkenny? No, no, you haven't. What else did I tell no. you to start watching that you haven't started watching yet? It's pretty much those two. No, there's one other. But you, the, was there? There's one I, other. I, 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 I remember you said that when I was ready to start the animated Star Wars stuff, you would tell me the order to watch them in. Mm-hmm. No, I gave you, I sent you the clip. I sent you the link. Oh, you did send me the link. Yeah. yeah, you prepared me and everything, and I have not followed through. And that's on me. Sorry, I digressed. <laughs> <laughs> so what's great is I forgot that this movie was the first shout out of Phantoms. Ben, ben Affleck, Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. Because that's a joke <laughs> that has actually lasted for 19 years. <laughs> like sure Kevin has. Smith and Ben Affleck broke up, got back together, and the Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms joke has still held up, despite the fact that this movie is really not critically lauded by the fans. No. No. Very low score on the Rotten Tomatoes from both critics and the people. Listen, I don't trust Rotten Tomatoes because of what they did to Batman vs. Superman. I said it. I said it. That movie was better than they gave it credit for, and it forever altered the DCEU, and, and I will die. carry that cross. I was just going to ask you if that's the hill you're willing to die on, but <laughs> well done superseding me. Listen, bringing it back around. All right, so we, 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 Kevin Smith, we think, is, is, is playing Holden McNeil, or Holden McNeil is playing Kevin Smith, and he's saying, hey, everybody, I see you. Right. There's a lot yeah. of I see you mo- mo- moments in this movie, too. Right. And I think they, they literally turn and look at the camera multiple times. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I think all three of them work. Really? I think all three of them work. They usually stuff like that crawls under my skin. But every time on this rewatch, I was like, yep, no, I'm I'm I'm, I'm good with that one. Oh, second. CJ. Yeah, I got it. I'm here. CJ, every single time they do it, I cringe. Well, like this is the first time that we've disagreed about anything. So I know, right? So it's good. This will, yeah, this will keep a very lively and interesting discussion. Yeah, that is one thing that I hated, the takes to the camera. Because I, I, uh, I remember I was 18 when this movie came out. And I was super excited about it. And I watched it with a bunch of people that weren't Kevin Smith fans. And then we all went to see it. And they're like, oh, my God, that was, like, really fun. And I was upset because I was like that was actually kind of lame and Mallrats managed to be super silly but not nearly that lame and I thought the takes to the camera infantilized me CJ I, I, I'm going to have to give you a quarter for that word because can you, can you tell the people what the definition of that word is please made me feel like a child Infantilized. I N F A. I won't continue. Okay, I get it. But at the same time, here we are in this movie where we're just—it's basically just a love letter to the movies, right? Like all of these, yeah. all of these references that you know. I think I think ultimately work regardless of whether you know the reference or not. 
And I think it just these takes to the camera take it one step further where he's talking about, well, you do the art movie and then you do the, the big movie with the budget and then you do the thing for your friend or whatever Holden says. The favor movie, yeah. And then they turn and look. And I'm That's like, not Holden. I got it. I got it. Wait, but here's the thing. That line comes in the Goodwill Hunting 2 sequence when Ben Affleck says it. You have confused your Ben Affleck and Holden like Roger Ebert confused his Brody and Banky. Wow. Because the film is confusing. Wow, okay. I mean, it's a good thing that I excused Roger and IMDb earlier because if not, I would look like a big dummy. I don't know. I think big dummy is a bit of an overstatement. It's really not that deep. I was just like wanted to bring that aha moment full circle for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I thank you, and I know that our 17 listeners thank you as well. Yeah, I hope we still have 17. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about Carrie Fisher as the nun and how, like, nun assault is a joke in this movie? Yeah, it's wicked uncomfortable. It's so awkward. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, the, the, the through line is funny, right? The way, that, the way that they are going back and forth and you're thinking, oh, my God, someone please figure out that you're not talking about the same thing before. Yeah. Before he, oh, my God, please don't. Figure it, oh, figure it out. Oh, God. And then they don't. And it's like, ugh. Yikes. Also, they waited not long enough to make that punchline pay off. So George Carlin sets it up, and then like 45 seconds later, he tries to go down on Carrie Fisher. And it's like, I I would have liked a little more car rides. I would have liked that to be like, oh, remember when George Carlin said that at least five minutes ago? Sure. It's like immediate, and then they move into the Scooby-Doo joke, which is, let's talk about Scooby. Something entirely different. Is that Some, that's and that's like off the rails already? I was like, I don't even know what's happening. Yeah, it's wicked indulgent, you know, sexualizing those two characters, Velma and is it Velma? Daphne, Velma and Daphne. Velma and Daphne, V and D, never good. And that one just came to me too, Andrew. I didn't plan that either. That just happened. We are in an, we are in an organic situ, a living, breathing situation here. Listen, I, that's great. V and D is good comedy, man. I'll give it to you. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Bowing. <laughs> I was, I'm bowing. It took me. It, it took me aback. Like you said that, and I was like, uh, I don't even know. All right. But about the movie, it, it also bad. I just, it's not good. It's really. It's so strange. It's weird. It does. There's no payoff. Right. It's there's like, zero payoff. It's just, Again, it's it's a it's a bit that's a bit, and then it's over. Yeah. And, and they wake up. Did he up. want to get them out of the car because they already did that with Dogma? Was it a dream? Did it really happen? We don't know. Also, they have three days to get from Jersey to L.A. Yeah, and they that that the the George Carlin and the Carrie Fisher when he picks it that's in Vermont. I'm that's convinced Vermont. it looks like Vermont. The truck that drives up has a Vermont plate. So if you're okay. if you're in Vermont, you're going north. You're going the wrong way. You're out of your league, yeah, bro. It's. It's really strange. Yeah. So then we get to movies, and it's nice to see movies again, and they're playing their It's a Small World Redux, yeah. which is always funny. Sure. And we meet Missy, Chrissy, Sissy, and Justice. And that whole thing. Yeah. That whole weird team-up. And then the movie becomes uh, about this saving the animal slash heist thing. Sean William Scott, though, big ups. That's a, With that, the Prince Valiant wig? He does great. He does great he's work. He's so funny. 
So let's let's wait, but let's do the IMDb profile for just that van alone. You've got Ali Larder, Eliza Dushku, mm. uh, Jennifer Schwalbach, yeah, who is Kevin Smith's wife, yeah. But we don't know her. She's like, she's the end Peggy of that group. <laughs> for a little Hamilton reference for you. Always good with the Hamilton references. Keep them coming. And then Shannon Elizabeth. Fresh, and then Sean William Scott. Fresh off American Pie. Maybe not fresh, this, but... It's pretty recent. I think yeah. American Pie is 1999. 99, yeah. Yeah, and so this is 2001. You have those five people in the car, and that's when I was like, this is the most 2001 movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's literally cameo and reference-laden. It is the biggest Kevin Smith movie that has ever happened. Sure. Everyone really wants to be in it. He has to make an in-universe tie-in, and he just doesn't have the script. The script just isn't there. But we're in the van. We have the weird trouser snake conversation. Yeah, I did I did like the angel and the devil stuff. I liked that. I thought that that... Played well. It's funny. It was funny. It's funny. Um, but yeah, the trouser snake aspect of it, it was just weird and, and uh, just not not the best. Well, and then the, the payoff of that bit is that the angel's on his shoulder and he's like, yeah, you don't just pull your dick out. I forget what he says. Yeah. He's like, you don't Basically, do, like, do, don't do, do, do it that. when she asks. He says, do it when she asks or when she goes to sleep. And so the angel character kind of refutes what it's... So it's, like, funny and then cringy again. They're either, they're either talking about... They're either making light of sexual assault or making light of gay shaming at any given point in this movie. Yeah, it's like a whole, it's like a whole long movie about, about a blowjob joke, right? which I believe yeah. someone says later. Yeah, it's Hooper at the end. He calls it a 90-minute gay joke. Yeah. When Hooper comes back, he calls it out, which... So if it's aware, is it acceptable? I'm just very confused. It's it's a fine line that, that Kevin Smith walks, you know, because he... I think in an interview he said, you know, if, if you have to... Or no, at the end of the movie, in the credits, it's like if, if you... You should know that, you know... Uh, oh, what is it? Something like you should know that being mean to gay people is bad and, and obviously like that's not good. And if you don't know that, like that's on you. Right. But it's yeah. like it's it's yeah, it's a fine line that he walks between satire and offensiveness. Yeah. It's interesting. I you mean, know, yeah. Well, honestly, I, I think he treads that line really beautifully in Chasing Amy. Mm, but mm-hmm. Chasing Amy is supposed to be a little bit serious. It's a serial comedy. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Or a dramedy, if you will. Yeah, there's real, there's real life stakes. Whereas in this... Yeah, they have... You know, they walk out of a diner with a monkey and for a moment, even though someone has been told that it's not, that it's not a kid, that that's actually a monkey, he believes it's a kid for a moment and then realizes it's a It's a scene not. with... <laughs> and in this scene is Judd Nelson and Will Ferrell. Judd Nelson like, and Will Ferrell. There are legit people in this scene, and th- these are the pages that were handed to them. That's what they got. You have to say, I think I would know a monkey when I see one. Well, you see one. And then yeah. moments later, you realize that you see one. It's all just way, it's too convenient. Again, it's just way too convenient. Did you catch that whole reference about uh, Will Ferrell's name? No. 
His name is Marshall Willenholly. I didn't get Will and I didn't I didn't get that. Marshall Will and Holly. Will and Holly. Come on. Yeah. I love the John Stewart bit. That's funny. We've 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 passed on the heist bit, which had a real Terminator 2 feel to it. Did you did you think that? The heist bit had a Terminator 2 feel. It also really, really was trying to remind you of the Matrix. Oh sure. Absolutely. With the pleather onesie. There was also a nice little shout-out to... And the EDM music. There was also a nice little shout-out to Entrapment with the lasers. Yeah. Yeah, dancing through the lasers or gymna- gymnasticking through the lasers. I actually love that sequence. It kind of fucks me up that all of their crime-fighting things are pink. Yeah. And their, de- and their desk is a... It's a pillbox. A pillbox. Pill uh, container? Birth, con- birth control Birth control pill container, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the fart. It's funny. The <laughs> yeah, fart is fucking so funny. Good. It's so good. The fart. And her face. Like, that like, little fuck face was right. <laughs> <laughs> but the stoner was right. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> funny. And uh, I love the in-universe tie-in of Suzanne, because Suzanne goes back to the credits of Mallrats. Right. And so right. that's cool. So now we understand that the sequence of them walking away with Suzanne is seven years after that actual movie happens. Right. And we can have that tie in now. Yeah. I like that. I like Suzanne. Suzanne does a really good job and she actually gets cast in a movie later. (laughs) What movie? Well, she's in scream four, which I've never seen. No, no, no. She's in scream four in this movie. Oh, I see. (laughs) There is no Scream 4. CJ, there is a Scream 4. They actually there just is a released, Scream 4? They actually just released the casting for Scream 5 this week. Oh, Jesus H. That's our next franchise. No, I must Star Wars, and then we'll Star double Wars. back. Oh, man, when those first Screams came out, Scream, with Drew in the beginning, oh, man. It's that a legendary clutch. quadrilogy, if you will. Scream 4 is genius. You should definitely watch it. I'll check it out. I will yeah, check it's, that out. Yeah, it's very, very satisfying. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the heist is cool. Uh, I still laugh at the Click Commander monologue. <laughs> yeah. It's still funny. It's, he does a really great job with that. He really does. He nails it. And, uh, you, you know, you, you know that they're setting him up for something. And, you know, I forgot. I forgot what they were setting him up for. And then it's like, oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> so now back to the Jon Stewart, Will Ferrell moment. Yep, yep. That whole interplay, I understand that it's for 17-year-olds, but so now the clit is an offshoot of the labia. That whole thing, liberating... Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the acronym, but... Whatever it is. The back and forth of clit and labia, I just titter. And I know it's for 17-year-olds. I know I'm an asshole. I was literally watching this movie again and still tittering at that moment. I oh, think it's, funny. it's so funny. It's funny, and it's not... You know, it, it doesn't um, – I don't think it can offend the feminist sensibility. I think that it's just funny. I don't think that, it, you know, that there's any, anyone that can be like, oh, well, that's, that's a ridiculous thing to say. It's like, oh, no, that's like comedy. Good. Do not stimulate the clit. <laughs> it's funny. It's yeah. funny. And Jon Stewart, fresh off some Daily Show action. 
Yeah, I mean, it's two, it's two geniuses at the top of their game. Yeah, so he can really, like, deliver that straight-faced punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm down. It's when they escape the diner with the ape that the movie becomes a weird buddy cop movie. Sure. Yeah. And so, so you have Will Ferrell chasing them. Great fugitive reference in the tunnel. Oh, absolutely. And isn't, um, isn't Provasic, the medical company that they break into, isn't that the name of the drug in The Fugitive? Yes. It's fantastic. It's, so another no, reference within a reference. Oh, it's so smart. Like, he's a good filmmaker that obviously loves movies and comic books, and there's some great references. But it's, uh, it's just kind of unfortunate because he kind of lost his try-heartedness that made the other movies really interesting. Yeah, because clerks, clerks for all of its flaws, that is a man that is just going balls out with it. He's really just going for it. Mallrats, <laughs> really, really going for it with the budget. Chasing Amy, really, really going for it with some high concept and a romance and some blue lights. Dogma, <laughs> I got some special effects that I want to talk about. God, Jane and Bob Strike Back. We're gonna go back to dick and fart jokes for a little bit. Right, and we're just gonna lay into them. Yeah, and it just kind of... So, Silent Bob, generally in these movies, speaks when he has something super important to say, yes? That's a a rule that we've established. Except in this one, when they have the weird charades moment after they get the ape. Right. Also, what Hollywood animal trainer is picking up apes off of the street and putting them in movies? Or, or even better, like, isn't that the Hoover Dam? Yeah. What, what, is, what is that person doing at the Hoover Why Dam? Why is he there? The movie and makes no sense. There's no effort no. put into it making sense at all. No. I think that's what's frustrating. Because it's, it's I want to like it. I want to like it. And there's parts that I do think are hysterical. But it's not a tight script by any means. It's like... No. They're all like six-page little scenelets. Yeah. It's clumsier that. than Clerks. Oh, I mean, completely. Because with Clerks, it's clumsy, but you're clearly watching an independent film. James yeah. and Bob Strike Back, you're watching a movie. Yeah. You know, you're watching a movie that you have paid however many dollars to walk into a movie theater and see it. You know, you're not watching it down at the, uh, the Angelican or whatever is, you know, that theater downtown. Like, you're, you're at a movie theater. You're at an AMC. Yeah. <laughs> or regal. Is, yeah, and this is what you're getting. And yeah, no, it's disappoint it's disappointing, really. Yeah. So he has that weird charades moment, and then he grabs him and he's like, Hollywood animal trainers, you dumb fuck. And he shakes him, and I was like, and now Silent Bob has not given us substance. Like he Silent Bob has been reduced to a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And they 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 kind of did that in Dogma with like no ticket, like him speaking had become kind of a bit in this chapter of the filmmaking. Sure, but at least no ticket like that landed really well. It's so funny, you know, because that's that's all he could say because he just threw yeah. that dude off the train, and that guy was horrified. Yeah, I mean, for me, him yelling at Jay after the after Suzanne gets kidnapped. Ape napped. Is Ray being able to heal people with the force? 
that force healing is he controversial. Broke, he broke Silent Bob. Yeah. Like Ray broke Ray broke the force. Like Ray broke Star Wars. Because yeah. if if she can heal people, X Y Z, A B C D E, all these people should should just be alive. Yeah, we could have been healing Jedi's. Fucking Ray figured out how to heal it. Yoda couldn't. Like yeah, you know, or like, but I'm gonna again. I'm gonna have to read Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, Book Seven, Issue Number Eleven, to figure out why Yoda didn't want to heal anyone and why Obi Wan didn't know about healing. Yeah. Listen, it's about the Prime Jedi. She's the Prime Jedi, and that's gonna be the answer. That's your catch-all answer for that one. Anyway, so then we go to Hollywood with these cats, right? Conveniently. Conveniently, we finally get to Hollywood. So much of the movie has been made about them figuring out how to get to Hollywood, and somehow, when they have to, they're in Hollywood. Yep, and we run into union drug dealers, which I liked. I appreciated that. It's just, I don't understand how dumb Jay and Silent Bob are supposed to be. Hmm. So in Chasing Amy, they're aware of likeness rights. Right. In, in Dogma, they're kind of buffoons. But, but they save profits. the world. They save the world. Mm-hmm. But they're prophets because it's their destiny. And then we get back to this one, and within the same movie, they're stupid enough to not understand that when people talk about Jane, Silent Bob, they're talking about the characters, not them. They've never heard of the internet. They have no ability to just buy a ticket to Los Angeles. But then in Act 3, they're members of a union, and they're thinking about going on strike. Yeah. I, I mean, there's not a lot... To, I, I agree with you. What, where, what's happening? It's so weird. Within, within one movie, at least when, they, when their characters were adjusted per movie, we understood that their characters were reflexive... Reflexive. Reflective. Reflexive. Reflexive. Reflective of the tone of that movie. Yes? Yes. That's absolutely. my thesis. Except in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, where they are who they are dependent upon what they need to do to make the beat land. Mm-hmm. Again, he just wanted to make a fun movie. Yeah, and but fun can got still... lost got lost in that. Was you know, you can you can imagine the writing sessions of like <laughs> dick joke, <laughs> fart joke. Uh oh, have to get from A to B. Okay, they just don't have any money. Uh-oh, have to get from B to C. Okay, there's an animal to the start. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's, I think that there was not a lot of... I'm not going to say there wasn't a lot of effort. I think that it was a conscious decision of like, I don't really need... I don't really care. You know, I've kind of got... I've got the money. I'm going to shoot this thing, and it's going to be me and my pal Jay, and we're going to sober him up for it. Oh, speaking of, you notice he's a little... He's got a little swell to his face, right? Yep, he's puffy. He's recently found out that he wasn't doing drugs. He was drinking a lot. Yep. So that's good. That's a good thing that he was drinking instead of doing drugs. But again, I digress. I think he just wanted to just make a little fun romp and didn't really didn't really pay attention to any of the things that one would pay attention. Like there was no dramaturg in the room. No. In other words, you know. No, it doesn't line up. It's just it's just a bunch of people with money having fun. You know what it reminded me of? Side story, personal story. For those of you that are listening, uh, I write songs occasionally. 
And there was a period where writing songs was the main focus of my life and it was what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a lot of opportunities to write all on top of each other. And I wrote 72 songs in one year. That's a, that's a good, good average. It's a good crop. Um, it's more than a song a week, you know? And I think f- it was four full-length musicals. It was something like that. Like, I wrote a lot and gave a lot of creative juice to things. And what was funny was I didn't write another song after that year was up. I did the holidays. I did my birthday. I took a job working on a show. And I didn't write another song for about nine months. And I wonder if this movie is the result of being tapped out. Mm. Because so much went into those first four movies. And he's got this movie behind it. And it just doesn't have the magic. And I, it, it reads like he's sleepy. It's Love Never Dies. It's love, it's love Never Dies. It's just sleepy. It's like you're tired, man. Yeah. You've got all of this and you've got all these things to lean on. You know, even, to, even down to when we meet Holden, right? In the beginning, mm-hmm. of the, going back to the be- beginning of the film, what music plays? The Chasing oh, yeah. Amy theme the music. The Chasing Amy theme music, yeah. You know, and, and when, we're, when we're running around, when we're being chased around the movie studio, like it, they get on a Pee Wee Herman bike. Yeah. You know, and like the, the Pee Wee Herman's big adventure music or type of music plays. And then they, they go over and they pass the moon. It's, and it's an know, E.T. It's reference. Like, it's, it's like reference in, within reference. And it's kind of like, you know, like I said earlier, is it, is it a love letter to the movies or is it what you're talking about? I, th- I think it's... <coughs> excuse me. I think it's filmmaker fatigue. Honestly. I think it's mm-hmm. filmmaker fatigue. Because then if you look at the movies that come after this, really tight, really funny. I think he needed to get away from the Viewsk universe. I think this was the movie for him to shake it up and then come back and make a Jane Silent Bob movie. Mm. But he didn't. He actually followed this movie with Jersey Girl, I believe. Jersey Girl, yes. Jersey Girl, which is so underrated. Jersey Girl is actually really sweet. It's just you don't think you're coming to him for a warm and fuzzy movie about a single dad and finding love again and there's no Jay and Silent Bob and people were not here for it and Jersey Girl's actually really good I think if he would have done Jersey Girl, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back his career trajectory might have been different but that's Mm. just me how do you feel about that Gus Van Sant cameo in the (laughs) Goodwill Hunting 2 sequence where he's literally he has a bag of money with a dollar sign on it and he's counting money in the corner while while someone is fixing him tea. Yeah, he's busy. He's busy, Ben. I told you yeah. I was busy. Yeah. I, I, it's funny to me. Yeah. It's I like kind that. Of, it's kind of a cartoon with the literal money bag there. But I think the sequence, the Goodwill Hunting 2 sequence is hysterical. Very good. Vickas. With Ben's, Ben's Frosted <laughs> Tips, Vickas. Um, yeah. yeah. So you're just no longer any good. Wheel Hunting. Love it. Is that the, that's the same guy from the movie, or is it? I, th- I think it is. He just, actually, he just looks like incredibly older for being only four years later. Listen, there's a hard <laughs> yeah. four years for him. It's a hard four years post Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah, then he blows him. I don't like the sound of them apples, Will. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's, it's so, so stupid, dumb. But it gives you a fuzzy. It gives you a fuzzy feeling. It's like it's it's a good chuckle moment. Well, and also you at this know? point, we knew that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were best friends. So seeing them rib each other is really cute. Oh, yeah. When he's like, have you yeah. seen Forces of Nature? 
<laughs> yeah, and he like he bags him on Bagger Vance and talks about uh, oh what is it? Oh, Dogma. He actually says he actually brings up Dogma in the you know in the movie within the movie. Yeah, it's funny. Within a movie within a reference within a movie. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny, but when you get too meta with a Hollywood movie, when you get too meta about being Hollywood in a Hollywood movie, there's a point where it gets annoying, and I think, and I think this movie hits the point when it gets annoying. You think that it's in Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season? I think Goodwill Hunting Two Hunting Season is funny. I think when we have the ET sequence and go into James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs dressing room again reminding you that the movie was filmed in 2001 <laughs> hey you're that guy that fucked the pie yeah yeah and he's like yo Dawson like it's I think Talking that's when it's like he's Dawson and not James Vanderbeek yeah I think that's when it gets annoying also who would cast Jason Biggs as Bluntman? that makes no sense it's nope, such a nope. weird Put some beard on. How many people from American Pie are going to be in this movie? Mm. We only really got one left that we could put in. Yeah. Tara Reid. She's missing. Yeah. It's weird. It's just so weird. So how do you feel about Chris Rock as the director? I'm good. I'm fine with with all of it. Because Chris Rock is hilarious. No matter what he does. He's so funny. But during Chris Rock scenes, I was just like, this is the man that wrote Hooper's monologues in Chasing mm. Amy. Mm-hmm. This is the man that wrote all of Chris Rock's rants in Dogma mm-hmm. about faith versus belief, about being edited out of the Bible because he was black. And it's just yeah. like, where did you can be funny and dumb funny and still have a degree of class and intelligence? And yes. as, as good as Chris Rock is and as funny as it is, that level of humor is real inappropriate. Inappropriate, you said. Yeah. Playing to the stereotype. Yeah. Sure, right? It is a stereotypical angry black man. Yeah. Right? And Andrew, I realize fully that I am a privileged white male saying these things. But it's funny. So again, we get into, we're getting to the disclaimer part of it. Like, is it, it's the line. Is it satire or is it inappropriate? Is it is it meant to be parody and funny, or is it is it actually offensive? You know, and I think that even in the course of this conversation, like my opinion has changed based on what you just said, right? But I could maybe feel a different way tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and the bar moves because we yeah. know that Kevin Smith isn't racist. We know he's not racist, but that writing is quite unfortunate. And when we we've seen him write similar rants like that with a lot more grace yeah. and elegance. This is not gracious or graceful. It's cheap. It's, it's cheap, cheap, right? It's, it's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it's cheap. And it's and he, very easy. And he does it again when the two girls are fighting, and she's like, well, which style do you want to fight me? And this is my tiger crane, my Krav Maga. And she's like, well, what about my bitch? You stole my man. And it's like... Not good. I was like, cringy, man. It's not like, good. That's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they would, they would say is, is cultural appropriation and not pretty. No. And he's it's a better pretty. writer and filmmaker than that. And that's the thing. That's what – it feels lazy. 
And we're back to the sleepiness. Sleepy. It feels super lazy. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that for all of that, that I'm not wild about in that moment, Chris Rock arguing with Banky about being a tracer is very funny. The callback to the tracer bit is brilliant. Yeah. No one wants to tell you this, but you're a tracer. You're a fucking tracer. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough, Andrew. It's, it, you know, just getting back to the, to the Shaka stuff. It, it's tough because if we lived in a society, if we lived in a world where racism and prejudice and all of the bad things that exist between people that are different from each other, if that didn't exist, would that type of cultural appropriation and stereotypical comedy be bad? To answer that question, we'd have to really be able to articulate the root of the not okayness, right? Of what makes that not okay. What makes it not okay? And I, yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of the justification for what makes it not okay comes from the systemic racial oppression that occurs. So it's the, exactly. it, it, it's tied into the, you want to take what you like and push down what makes you scared. Precisely. And all things being equal, would it be okay? Would the Chris Rock scenes in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back be okay if, if everyone was on a late level playing field? If the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of sis- systemic racism and prejudice and evil didn't exist, would it be okay? Would it be just funny? In the hypothetical situation that none of Clearly. that existed, I think it would be a moment where we would trust the actor to know what the comfort level was and to act it appropriately. I think we would count on Chris Rock to be delivering something like he delivers beautifully. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think we, sure. would have, we would be having a different reaction to it and the conversation wouldn't be this. I think the moment wouldn't come up to us as cringy or it might come up to us as cringy because it's so ridiculous being that racially inappropriate. But yes. I think we would be having a different reaction than yes. we are now. Yes. And, and, and we, had, we had a different reaction to it in 2001 than we're having right now in 2020, knowing what we know now, being the grown-ups we, we are now. now. Mm-hmm. Right, because all of the racism and all of the prejudice and all of the evil existed in 2001. Most definitely. You know, it existed in 1961. It existed in 1861. You know, but at that point, we were only 137 years away, removed from the end of the Civil War. You know, as as we get further and further away, it'll be very interesting to see, you know, as we get further and further away from 2001, it'll be very interesting to see how that particular segment of that movie is discussed and and is looked upon. Yeah, it was cringier than I remembered it when I watched it. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, especially like watching again through a 2020 lens. It's like, oh, man, that's tough. But again, Chris Rock does a beautiful job of playing the role and not making you hate Chaka. You know, like he, he doesn't – there's nothing about it that you're like, oh, Jesus, he shouldn't be saying that. Or like, oh, he's saying that because it's just like, oh, no, Chris Rock is delivering this hilarious bit. He still gets the laughs because he's a genius and he knows mm-hmm. how to get the laughs. Absolutely. But the writing's not good. No. Yeah. And, no, again, and, and with, it's unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. It comes you don't out of the need blue. it. 
yeah, you don't need to have him be that stereotype. Yeah. It's, you don't need it. And you hit the nail on the head when you said it's cheap. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cheap. Agreed. We don't need him to be that to be an asshole director. No, he can just be an asshole director. Absolutely. You know, it's like when, when, when Banky comes in and starts talking to him, when Banky is like the sympathetic person in, in, the, in the room, we yeah. have an issue. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Because Banky's the worst. Banky's the worst. How do we feel about this Blood Man and Chronic costume reveal? Because like the, the score really like builds us up to a, a costume reveal that's, it, on my end, it's kind of lackluster. It falls flat. Right? I just... It, fall, it falls so flat. And, you know, it's, it's, it's followed by one of the funnier lines in the movie where Jay says, oh, this must have set him back a couple of hundred bucks. Yeah. And it's like, well, those costumes did. Yeah. It looks bad. <laughs> and on the topic of infantilizing again, the fucking, hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Applause. CJ, what? Yeah. What are you doing? You don't need that. You don't need that because if you know that a lot of people that are watching your movie are indeed Star Wars fans. So you know that that's Mark Hamill. I mean, I knew it. Yeah. I'll say this, though. I'll say this, though. Mark Hamill as Cockknocker does give us one of the best jokes on jokes on jokes on jokes moments I've ever seen. And I will go to my grave believing that 40 years from now, film theorists will be studying this one beat as a perfect example of too many inside jokes in one moment. And it's when Silent Bob does the Jedi mind trick to get the penis lightsaber. The blood saber. I don't know what they're called. (laughs) Bong saber. Bong saber. He does the Jedi mind trick to get the bong saber. Reference to Mallrats. Fights with Mark Hamill. Somebody says, I feel like George Lucas is going to sue somebody. Chris Rock says it. Star Wars reference. Cuts off Cockknocker's hand. Empire Strikes Back reference. Mark Hamill looks at the camera and says, not again. Spaceballs reference. All that was missing was the tied up Schwartz. I mean, he slammed so many references into that tiny, tiny amount of screen time. I don't know if it's bad or satisfying. I don't know if I want to, like, give him the (laughs) finger or shake his hand. Do you know what I mean? I'm so confused by that filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, here here we are on the set of Blunt Man and Chronic. You know, we're two years removed from The Phantom Menace, so we're having this epic lightsaber battle, you know, in, in the middle of this fictional comic book movie, I, I think at this point in the film, and, you know, when we're about to get like the big gunfight, I think that we were just, we're just off the rails at this point. It is really, we, it has really gone off the rails. This is, you know, it's like, we just should, we should just end. It's kind of like the conversation that you get into, you know, when you're first courting somebody or when you're in a job interview or where you just keep talking and you, you realize about halfway through your keep talking that, oh, my God, I am still talking. 
how do I get out of this? I need to stop talking, but I'm just I just keep talking. That's and now I've feeling. said something really awful and now I'm and now I, I I need to backtrack and fix that, but but I have to just get to this other point. No, I have to go fix I'm still I am still talking. Oh, that's man. that's what's happening in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back at this point. Absolutely. And then and then he remembers that he has to tie up the movie. So Missy Chrissy and Sissy and Justice have to come back. Right. And Marshall Will and Holly. Right. Inexplicably, all of your main characters end up in this final sequence. Mm-hmm. How does she find them? Right, because we've just gone through how many different sound stages. We could be on any number of sound stages, but she found it. Have you ever been to the WB lot? <laughs> it's massive. Yeah, it's massive, and there's, it, it, there's not a lot of signage. No, you, you know have you to, just have to know where it is. You have to know that you're on stage eight or sixteen. You have to have a pass to get in. I guess they're criminals and law enforcement that could get in. It's all very convenient. It's so strange. And then the movie's over, but there's still fifteen minutes of movie. So Suzanne shoots Marshall Will and Holly with a trank gun. There's the gunfight. There's the like weird girl fight where she says bitch you stole my man and that's not a fighting style and it's super inappropriate and we've already talked about that and my yep. feelings about that I, it's revolting yep. and then fight happens movie's over everything's better justice is gonna get Marshall into the FBI by turning in Missy Chrissy and Sissy and herself and taking a reduced sentence and we're going to walk into the sunset. I'm just nodding. Yeah, I'm just nodding. Yeah. We're just like, and it just, it, it, all of a sudden, everything's over, and we're supposed to pretend like it adds up. And then we get to another enjoyable part, which is the premiere of Blood Man and Chronic, and he burns off the rest of his Viusk Universe characters that he's got that wanted to be in this. Yeah. So you get Alyssa Jones, you get Trish the Dish, you get Hooper. Yeah. Yeah, the the chasing Amy that would never work as a movie. Yeah, but and and, and who plays who plays um, Dante in the movie? He says, "I can't believe the Judy, Dench. Some, Judy, De- <laughs> Judy Dench." Judy Dench. Judy Dench. Well, and here's the other thing. So and then Randall's like, "I got to check in with my restraining order against those two. I'm gonna blow this movie up on the internet." Randall from Clerks is way cooler than that. Yeah, he wouldn't do it. He's not a troll. He actually liked Jay and Silent Bob. Yep. It was Dante that was annoyed by them. Yeah, until he needed to not like them. Yeah. For our purposes. It's funny. I can't wait to watch Clerks 2 with you because all of these things I'm complaining about get righted, if I remember it correctly. Oh, good. Yeah, because he just writes the characters as they were, but he took a nice 10-year break between touching the characters. Yeah. But yes, Judy Dench plays Dante in Blunt Man and Chronic, the film. Yeah. Which presages her involvement in Cats because Judy Dench will take a check. I said it. I said it. I Love- haven't seen Cats the movie, but I love Cats the musical. I, you know. I'm not going to shame you for loving Cats the musical. Yeah, it was my first Broadway show. It's the reason I wanted to move to New York, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, people begrudgingly admit that they love cats. I support a love for cats. It's not my favorite. I don't really understand it. It didn't. The music doesn't reach across the void and speak to me. But uh, hearing memory, it's beautiful. And I have so many wonderful friends that I love and trust 
that have such a close relationship with that show. And I, I've had to come to a place of peace with that. I wasn't wild about the movie. Thought the movie was weird. Would mm. like to talk about the movie with you when you see it. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to see it, though. No? No, because it, it, I, I have such a sour taste in my mouth about the way that... Oh! About the way that everybody trashed that movie, even before they saw it. Like, people, people destroyed that movie based on the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I, I promise you, there are people that will say, you know... I hated Cats the movie and you could like gun to their head. They didn't even see it. They just destroyed it because they, everybody destroyed the trailer. I hear you. I agree with you. I take what you're saying in and I will share this information with you. It is much worse than the trailer. (laughs) I promise you this. (laughs) <laughs> it is weird and bad. So societal vitriol justified in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. thing that thing is bad. Okay. I digress. Judy Dench. Love Judy Dench. She actually delivers the best performance of Send in the Clowns I've ever seen. In the Cameron Macintosh Hey Mr. Producer concert in the nineties, her oh, Send wow. in the Clowns is riveting. After we get off of this call, go on YouTube and watch it. It is you got it. plum riveting, CJ. You got it. You just took us back. I did. That Hey, Mr. Producer concert was everything, though. <laughs> All right. So we are mercifully at the end of the movie. Only we're not. We have to now go and do a concert. Before the concert, we have to use all of the money that we have made from movie rights to kick children's asses around the country. Oh my god, I forgot about that. CJ and I watched this I watched this thing 3 days ago and I forgot about that. Oh my god, what a piece of junk. And they spend a lot of time doing it. Yeah. yeah. Like how they they read it. Did you say this also though? Did you like the movie Magnolia? They beat up a priest. They beat up a priest. Of course, the priest should know better than to be trolling movies on the internet. Uh, seriously, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, Magnolia, I, you know what? Uh, been a while. I love Magnolia. I'm, I think, I, I understand yeah. that it's weird, and and he's kind of feeling himself a little bit. But like, I like Magnolia. So the fact that the first person they go after is like Magnolia fan sixty six, <laughs> I think that's hilarious. <laughs> that's another weird movie in joke, just for fans. But uh, yeah. It's also a child. So they actually spend a lot of time beating up kids. Once they start beating up kids in dogma, now granted they're demon kids that buzz like... Yeah, those are demon kids. So those aren't really kids. Those are like Damien Omen kids. Yeah, yeah. They should have their asses kicked is what you're saying. Right. But the two kids buying pot in the beginning, like he roughs them up a little. Yeah. And then he continues to do it at the end. And we play this child abuse for laughs. And... I'm not afraid of an off-color joke, but I will say (laughs) our heroes end the movie beating up children, and that's weird. It's weird. Yeah. It was, again, we're just like at the, we're in, we're in the job interview. Yeah. And we're just, we just, we just keep talking. It just keeps going. We have to just stop talking, says the guy that's recording a podcast where he just talks. Wow. We went real meta there, CJ. I do it. 
Yeah, that was good stuff. I do that. I do that. So yeah, I said it out of order. So it's they beat up the kids, then it's the premiere, then it's the concert. But I talked about the premiere. We we beat up the kids first before the premiere? I believe so. Yeah, I think you're right. See, I hated that beating up the kids so much. I I completely wrote it out. Forgot about it. It's such blocked it out of my memory. It's such an unnecessary sequence, and I think it only it only exists to make sure Jay and Silent Bob stay broke. Mm. Because you can't end the movie with them having money. There were a lot better ways to spend $300,000 to win $300 million. Brewster's Millions. Have you seen Brewster's Millions? I have not. <gasps> That's a good one. Richard Pryor, another fucking genius. Yeah. Yeah. Except for that Superman movie. Which one? Three? Yeah. Is that Superman 3? Yeah. You know, the threes, the threes are never, are never the best, are they? The threes, the third movie in the trilogy, in the, in the sequence, right? Star Trek 3, I feel like wasn't any good. Because Star Trek 2, The Wrath of Khan was the best movie ever, but I don't even remember Star Trek 3. Star Trek 4, they get the whales in San Francisco. Well, Trek movies, notoriously, you only want the evens. The odds in the Trek movies. That's a thing, hey? That's a thing, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, the but Trek Return of the Jedi ultimate. is by far the weakest, right? Absolutely. Chasing Amy, though, is the third in this universe one, movie. Really so this strong. is, yeah, that's, but, that's the exception. But Godfather 3, yikes. Yikes, Godfather 3. Whereas Godfather 2 is revolutionary. Probably the best one. Scream 3, yikes. <laughs> yeah. What's another trilogy where the third one is like, bloop? Austin Powers. That third movie is unintelligible. <laughs> it actually falls the same fate as Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in a weird yeah. way. Let's talk about this, though, because Austin Powers, by the time you get to that, you have a character that has largely run its course. You've cast a singer to be his Bond girl. Yep. You have a, a plot thread that makes zero sense, and it's just little sketches yep. from beginning to end. There's Wrapped even a up Brit- in pancake jokes. And there's a Britney Spears concert included where Britney Spears is a fembot where she sings boys. So That's that, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that movie oh. is actually the same kind of movie as this in that it's just these tiny little vignettes loosely strung together. And at the end, we have a big culminating sequence that pretends that all of that added up. And then they throw more cameos. That It's funny. Goldmember does exactly the same thing that this movie does. And it reeks of, I am fresh out of ideas with this character. Yeah. I just can't do it. Wow. And I'm not afraid of Jane Silent and Bob taking the lead, especially because... Mallrats kind of proves to us that a secondary character can make for an interesting movie. When you follow somebody that is written to be a secondary character, they can helm the film. It just creates an interesting dynamic because your hero is the one that you're not listening to the most. Absolutely. So this happens in this movie as well, that your hero is Jay, but Jay's the one that he's the biggest buffoon of the two. He doesn't know what's happening. He doesn't know what he's doing. No, no. But he's, he's just kind of, kind of awful. 
But it's interesting for him to follow. But he's likable, but he's, yeah. But again, man, it's the pages. It's not in the pages. Yeah. It's not, there's a better movie that exists for them. And it's just Absolutely. not this one. No, nothing Absolutely. is nothing is fresh. Too many people wanted to be involved. It's it's bloated by the weight of the star power that inserted themselves into it. That might be one of the most beautiful sentences I've ever said. I'm I agree wholeheartedly. I was proud of that. All right, CJ, we should hit our list up. What works for you? Well, you know, I think that the references work. I think that you've got a movie. That's jam-packed with them. And if you I think that if you don't if you don't get all of them, it's okay. Because they're they kind of they're kind of funny, right? Like the when they're on the dam and they're in the tunnel, and that's clearly a fugitive reference. Mm-hmm. Where it goes, you don't have to know that you're watching a spoof of the the fugitive. Yeah. You know, so I think that I think that the references within the references, I think that they work and you you don't have to have all of the wealth of knowledge behind them. I'll agree with you. Uh, The meta humor is actually really good. And at the end of the day, it's one of the strongest facets of the script is the Hollywood meta humor. And also the in-universe character tie ins are actually really strong. I agree. Like tying it back to Suzanne is really funny having Brody and Banky come back and hold in Ben Affleck and Matt Damon referencing the fact that they were in dogma. All of that stuff is very funny. Yeah. Alyssa Jones talking to Trish. Yeah. It's cool because we know they know each other. Right. They're from the same area. So it's good to see them together. Yeah. Yeah. What doesn't work for you? Everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, it doesn't work for me. I, I, I think that, you know, we sort of touched on it, but I just think that the the stereotype of gay being bad or necessarily a bad thing, you know, of a man giving another man a blowjob, playing that Lots for of laughs. blowjob jokes. So, so many blowjob jokes. The, the stereotype of the angry black man, that doesn't work. Nope. You it's know. dated. It's old. It's tired. It's just, it's just tired and... You know, it's it's an unfortunate reflection on society at the time. But yeah, no, it's just it the the movie it, having all having those things kind of like run through. You know, the the, the Chris Rock thing comes in at the end, but the the blowjob thing is is played throughout. And it's just you just you just don't need it. You're you're a better writer than that. These characters are better than that. These characters don't need that to be hilarious. Yep, and the world is actually more fun than that. Right. It's more interesting. Right. Literal angels, muses, demons, and disciples have come down to earth in this world. Do you know what I mean? There's funnier mileage. God. We met God. We met God. There's funnier things in this universe to play with. Yeah. Especially if you want to be silly and funny. Yeah. I mean, I would have Sleepy. taken a shit demon cameo any day. Sleepy. It's dopey, Sleepy. it's lazy, and it's, and it's also genuinely unfunny sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, you're sleepy watching it because it's, it's just, you're like, oh, I see that, I see what you tried to do there, but I'm not, that's just, I'm not amused. On the flip, the movie doesn't feel as long as it actually is. It's actually tightly put together. 
It's assembled well. It's just not a good script. Right. But the assembly right. is, is tight. Oh, technically, the technical execution of the movie is great. It's one of his best. And, 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 the, pacing, and the pacing works, and it moves well, and sure, yeah. But it is dopey and lazy. Yeah. And I, I see, and we disagree on the takes to the camera. I think the takes to the camera are really bad. Oh, loved them. <laughs> That's so funny. Absolutely loved them. I hate a look to the camera and shrug so much. Yeah. You know, I'll, it, Andrew, that may come from my time on the stage. Because I loved a good take to the audience. Whenever I could break that fourth wall, get that, that quick and easy laugh. <laughs> I was all about that. What's your special award? I don't have one. You don't have a special award for this one. It didn't even I, earn one. I don't think I have one. <laughs> Oh, CJ, that's so sad. Yeah. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I have one, but I really, I really had to dig. Like this one's yeah. from the depths. I just, I just wanted to give it one because we've given all the other ones a special award. Well, so this movie, guys, is a I kind of on first. This movie didn't even get a special award from CJ, and no. CJ usually gives the best special awards. Yeah, sorry, everybody. I, it's all right. I, I want. I, I sort of crafted one. I and I, I looked at it and I said, I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> uh, my special award is uh, the award for presaging the internet trolling that would later become commonplace. Yes, very much. I think that's actually the best writing in this movie is that it does understand what the internet is about 18 years before the rest of the world understood what the internet was. And it makes a joke about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, that's what it's for. It's for like, and basically we find out that they're teenagers yeah. For yeah. Little Here's Kevin again with the social commentary. Yeah. Right? That's actually like, really smart and aware. Yeah. Putting, putting a, 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 a theme in your movie that, hey, society, look at this. Look at this. This is what you're doing. And, yep. and don't you feel stupid. Yeah. Fascinating. What's this movie's role in the universe for you? To be trashed. I mean, to be. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's rough. Create, it's rough, man. It's a rough it's, movie. It's to create arguments. I mean, I, I even when I said I had to go rewatch this, you know, people texted me in just like hatred for this movie. <laughs> it's yeah. You know, but but again, I think that I, I think that the 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 inappropriateness of it aside, the the ninety minute. Blowjob joke aside, you know, I, I got to give credit to Kevin Smith for saying, you know what? F it. I'm just going to make this fun, stupid movie with my little high school friend. You know, it's going to keep him sober. He even said in an interview that like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back may have kept Jason Mewes alive. So, mm-hmm. you know what? That's this movie's role in the universe to, to make sure go. that Jason Mewes didn't didn't meet an, meet an untimely end. You know, it's funny. A lot of times you find these bad movies are super polarizing. So people understand that The Room is terrible by Tommy Wiseau, but they love The Room for what it is and for for what it achieves. You know, people have mixed feelings about Talented Mr. Ripley. People have mixed feelings about The Last Jedi. Last Jedi, super polarizing. So polarizing that an actress was cut out of the sequel. Like, (laughs) Last Jedi is polarizing, but it makes people feel things. Mm-hmm. And the last this Jedi is a great movie. Last Jedi is a great movie. 
It's just not a good Star Wars movie, but we'll get to that. We will fight about this later. I think it's a it's my favorite Star Wars movie. I said it. I'm Everybody's not going to apologize. Everybody's yeah. excited for that 12 rounds because, Ooh. you know, we're <laughs> just getting get, warmed up yeah. with the disagreements. That's going to that's going to be thick cuz I've got feelings about that. But that said, I bring up the last Jedi and its polarizing nature to tie it to this film in that I can't find anyone that likes this movie. Like, it's, it's tough. It's, it, this movie is uniformly unloved and uniformly agreed upon to be the worst. My wife wouldn't watch it with me. I said, I got to watch Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. She left the room. I put it on for Bart, and, and Bart's younger than me, and he is... Uh, we have a lot of the similar sense of humor, though. We like a lot of the same things. And this whole universe is very special to me, but it's a, he's a little young for it. Mm. One... And then when we watched this one, he was like, that was not good. Yeah. And he wasn't wild about Clerks. He wasn't wild about Clerks. Couldn't sell it to him. I love Clerks. I love Clerks. He liked Mallrats better, and I get that. This one, he was like, it's bad. And I was like, it is. It is. Yeah. It is. But it's it's two great characters who we love. And so, it's glossy. It's good to see him have that much money and star power to play with. It's nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. The oh, most yeah. passive thing you could do to describe a piece of art is call it nice. It's but nice. it's nice. Yeah. Mother, Smoke mother, your fuck. Desert mother, mother, fuck. I know, right? Smoking weed, smoking freaking weed. Does this uh, make your me, desert on? <laughs> I'm not avoiding the question. Uh, Does this movie make no. your desert on top five, CJ? Under no circumstances. Absolutely not, man. No, I, I would rather I, eat a shit sandwich than watch this movie on a desert island. I love Kevin Smith, and I love, love these Kevin characters, Smith. and I watched this movie for the sole purpose of discussing it with you, and I could go my entire life without watching it again. It was as yeah. bad as I remember and worse. Yeah. But you know what? What? <laughs> I, you, know what, you know what my special award was going to be? It's funny. I was going to give the Noises Off Award. I was going to call it the Noises Off Award for, like, pulling off the movie within the movie. Yeah. But our discussion discouraged me from doing that. Oh, Cause really? Because I, like, I was like, they actually, it, it's actually not, they actually don't pull that off. They really don't. Yeah. So that, that's, that's interesting. That's, the, so that's a first. Basically, in the, while recording the episode, yeah, I discouraged you from giving your special award. I ruined your yeah. special award. No, you didn't ruin it. No, I think that's good. I think it's good to not have one. I think it'll play well. All right. Very good. All right, CJ. Well, all that's left is the eternal question. Icon or Y-Con? It's an absolutely no, not con. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's an like, anti-con. I can't even ask the question why. I can't. We just know. It's a no con. Yeah. I wonder if he's made peace with this. Do you know what I mean? As a filmmaker. Sure, I think. Go ahead. There's a couple of things that I've put out there in the universe that I'm just like, man, I wish that never happened. Do you think he wished this never happened or do you think he looks back on this fondly? I think he looks back on it fondly. I think, again, I think that his relationship with Jason is is so strong and go and runs so deep that he must have had such a wonderful time making this thing mm-hmm. 
you know, and all of his friends were there. Matt and Ben were there and Chris Rock was there, you know, and his ex-girlfriend, Joey Lauren Adams was there. Like everybody, Dante and Randall, everybody was there. It, yeah. was like a, it was probably just a big part. And he got to dance and sing with the time. Yeah. At the end of this movie. Yeah, it was probably you really know? fun. It's like those parties that you went to in college that you don't remember the second half of, but you'll gladly trade the second half of not remembering for the an amazing time that you had in the first. Yeah. You know, it's you know? interesting, too. He thought he was retiring Jay and Silent Bob. Mm-hmm. Because he says Jay and Silent Bob have left the building, right, at the end of this yep. movie. Yeah. And Alanis Morissette comes back as God. Yep. Closes the Viewsk Universe book. Boop. Like, he was moving on. And it doesn't stick. He comes back later with Clerks 2. Yeah, and, and I'm here for it. I and am I'm, too. I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to watching that film. I think that that'll be my first time. I've never seen it. So that'll You've be my first seen time. It. Oh, nope. it's one of my favorites. I really yeah, love that, it. I think it's a really strong movie. I'm excited to discuss it with you. That'll be the first time. So we'll look, we'll look forward to that. Yeah. All right, CJ. Well, this has been beautiful. It's, it usually is. It usually is. All right. Well, I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. I'm CJ LaRoche, and we'll see you next time.